You're listening to Red Nation Online. Sunday, January, it's Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen. I'm Ian Clark, and ahead of the 2017 MLS Combine and MLS Super Draft, we have an interview with Sigma FC's technical director, Bobby Smirniotis. Before that, though, Aaron and I discussed the 2016 Sigma Showcase, the MLS Combine, and Canadian player development before an interview that covers GTA Academy Soccer, the NCAA, Sigma Products, Kwame Awuo and Chris Nago ahead of the draft, and the Canadian Premier League. It's all that and more on the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Bobby Smirniotis is the technical director of Sigma FC, and it was at the Sigma Showcase that you and I went to about uh, coming up a month ago, just over three weeks ago, where we've yep. been there, we're going there for the last couple of years now, um, Yep, checking out the players and whatnot, and I thought it was, you know, I was trying to figure out how I was going to build this podcast up, who I was going to bring on it. I did think it made sense to bring you on it because of your background, and specifically how, I don't know if I would say transition, but of late, you've really um, put a focus on like your scouting and analysis on sure. youth, younger players and youth development and sort of that transition from academy player either into university or moving up to a pro. So I thought this would kind of be a perfect fit and kind of just started off, you know, again, we went to the Sigma Showcase a couple of weeks back and mm-hmm. I'd just kick over to you maybe just for the listener, uh, what our impressions are of, of, of that showcase and the players out there and, and what the whole event is like. Yeah, well, I think it's very interesting, the, the showcase itself, and you get to, you know, the thing that I think that always impresses us is Sigma brings in other local teams, and I think this year they brought in some international, or they brought a team from Boston, um, but the overall quality, you know, it's not only the Sigma players that stand out, but also the players from the other sides. You know, in terms of scouting at a youth level, you know, I think the stars or the guys who really stand out, you can see that ability at a very young age. Um, other players, you have to see how they're going to develop into a player once they become, you know, eligible to be pro or at least at the capacity to be pro. But guys who really stick out, you know, you can tell um, pretty much at a young age that this guy is going to at least be considered as a professional and may break out into a star. And I thought last year, uh, two years ago when we went, that uh, there were more players there that kind of stood out and that looked really exciting. Um, this year there was a bit less of that, but I think part of that is the overall quality of the Canadian players improving. So it was more players adapting into a system than individual shining, which you might get if you're playing against poor quality players. Yeah, and you know what I would, my observation or my comments on the showcase have been each year is that, um, you know, especially when, you know, you go there and ideally, you know, it's called the Sigma showcase. So we do go there with the primary intention of, of, I guess, watching Sigma and seeing the players that they have coming up because they have such a good reputation with that. But like you said, the great thing about it, and every year that we've been, now you're hearing people like the university and NCAA coaches there, they call it the championship round. And it's the, it's the match of Sigma against Vaughn. Mm. And a lot of times it ends nil-nil. 
However, yeah, yeah. you're watching yeah. like you know two really good academy teams or you know U U twenty teams go at it, and when you watch Sigma, I've said this before, it's it is sometimes really hard to identify who their star is because they play such a cohesive system, um, yeah, yeah. right from the back line up to the front, and I and is and I agree that this year was hard to find that standout player. Although I would say this was probably the year that I thought that Sigma was playing the best game, like building from the back, moving forward. Whereas in other years, I feel like they've been really strong up top and you haven't noticed the back line as much. That was just, those are just my observations um, from this year. Yeah, well, and the other interesting thing is the advantage of the Sigma players is we get a scouting sheet before when we show up. And it does give more information about the players. Like it gives their, you know, size and vital information. Um, but it also gives, you know, their GPA and, and school record and if they're taking the SAT. And unfortunately, one of the things that I think is missing from the Canadian player going to college is we always concentrate on how does this develop them as a pro player. I think the stories that we want to hear going forward is players who did not make it as a pro player but benefited by going to university in the state for the four years. And, and that, that was a smart decision because I think the unfortunate thing, and we saw with this recent Canadian um, GA uh, editions, is the idea now is, is that, you know, at 17, 18, you want to be making that professional transition and not that direction towards NCAA or, or even CIS in Canada. Yeah, and I think that's, maybe that was the start of the segue uh, I wanted to mention because, of course, the point of the Sigma showcase or the highlight of it is that at over the last few years, I mean, there's been points where there's been over 100 NCAA Division One coaches scouting this mm -hmm. this event. And this year, I think the number was, the weather was terrible. So I think that we saw a little bit less, but I still saw uh, Louisville. Uh, we still saw Indiana. Yeah. We still saw all the... Alabama. <laughs> yeah, UAB. Alabama. UAB was there, yeah. right? All the yeah. big guns that you're familiar with of programs that have developed players that have been, you know, solid MLS caliber players. And I think that's what I wanted to. And also I was kind of thinking, I'm like, you know, how it kind of ties in maybe even to the upcoming CPL is that, you know, there we've said it before, there really shouldn't be a, you know, a development path sort of scorned or shunned. And the NCAA yeah. is one of those. And I, I don't know if I'm, if I have the exact question pinned down, but kind of getting your thoughts, because we know Sigma uses this as a part of their development roadmap of where the NCAA fits in as this ever-changing North American landscape that now is, you know, it's really slanting towards the academy or the USSDA, but the NCAA is still there and it's still an important part of, of you know, finding fi these players finding their, their feet and still getting opportunity to play pro. Yeah, the unfortunate thing with the MLS, and, and we experienced this the past year with the relationship with the uh, NASL, is they're not really teaming up with these other development paths, they're almost fighting against it. Um, so what's happening in the U.S. is the establishment of these academy programs called USSDA. And I think the belief of MLS clubs is that the development pathway goes directly from USSDA into, you know, the USL program or, or directly into the pros. Um, you know, that being said, the most successful USSDA programs currently, like LA Galaxy, FC Dallas, um, New York Red Bulls, almost pride themselves on how many players they send to NCAA Division One. And I think, you know, FC Dallas last year had a ridiculous number, like 80 players or something, went from their academy 
to NCAA Division One. And to me, you know, I've written articles in the past about this. I think the key is to have a greater list of players or the greater amount of players, right? And so then, you know, one of the problems now is we assume any player who's Canadian who makes it is automatically going to qualify as a pro or it's going to be a disappointment as a pro, right? And so I think if you have 200 players available this year who potentially could play professional, the pressure is not on all those players to, you know, to become professional, right? And so, and then the other, you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, the irony is that professional soccer in North America is not overly rewarding, right? You know, because your pay is not that great. And there's just so much pressure put on to you, right? So, you know, certainly if I had a kid or if I was advising someone, um, you know, I would almost tell them to go through the university route because it's so far it hasn't hurt players by doing that. Um, I do think, you know, especially if you play PDL or League One Ontario in the summer, I do think it gives you the same training as you would at USSDA or at a USL program. And, and, you know, you get your education, which I think is very important, you know, in terms of life decision, what you get, in, you know, in the end of life and stuff. Yeah. Do you, well, who's it? Was it JJ Koval? He's going to be a dentist now. Oh, is he? Okay. <laughs> I think that's well, no, the funny. The funny thing in my work is I, you know, because one of my main emphasis is helping senior players transition into a professional career. And the thing that amazes me, you know, beyond their talent as a football player is how intelligent they actually are. Right. And you're dealing with adults. You know, and one of the problems I have, you know, even with these two Canadians for the GA read and show me is, you know, they're mostly kids, right? You know, and one of the problems within a development system is they're either kids who are completely protected and then you don't know how they'll develop into a pro or they're kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, they might have a bit of immatureness, right? And so you don't really judge them purely as a player. You judge them as a character. And sometimes a professional game, you know, it's cutthroat, right? And so if your character not perfect, even though you can play well, you know, your chances still are limited, right? So, Yeah, and I think that's, again, the next uh, little thing I wanted to touch on is, of course, the timing of this podcast should be when the Combine is, is going on and we're wrapping up and the draft will be heading in. And, of course, you mentioned two players that, were, that are mentioned. Um, that yeah. kind of would have might have it was it was unfortunate that A and B wasn't involved in the um, Sigma showcase. Yeah, well, that was a funny story, right? Because we thought Reed might be a showcase player at this combine, right? Because he's now at that age group, and now we didn't know, but probably behind the scenes, he was working on this MLS deal. Yeah, but um, you know, it'll be interesting seeing him because I've only I've seen him a couple of times live but not enough to, you know, completely blow my mind. And, you know, I, I know of his accomplishments. You know, I think it's incredible that a 16-year-old will lead League of Ontario in goals because there's a lot of older players in that league. But, you know, I like to see, especially, you know, at their own age group, right? So you can compare and contrast and say, oh, well, okay, this is why, you know, we saw last year, unfortunately, well, you know, he was playing professional, I guess, with Pittsburgh. Uh, but we saw last year with uh, Dwayne Ewart where, you know, he stood out amongst everybody, right? And I haven't seen that with Reed or Show Me yet, so it's hard for me to judge them. You know, I'm going to be critical of them because all I can judge them is against the competition they played against. Yeah, and, and some of that competition, and, and to keep it in the Canadian context and connected with Sigma, is, of course, Kwame Awua, Chris Nanko, and a guy that, and I'm thinking of, you know, four-year university players that you were on top of pretty early was Brian Wright. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Three guys that, you now, know. Again, you know, it's funny with Brian Wright because now Brian Wright's in that second category where now there's so much overhype for him. I feel, yeah. you know, I feel kind of... Uh, responsible? Tentative, yeah, responsible. <laughs> I guarantee you, if people are looking at him, the first stuff that will come up is our Red Nation Online stuff. But, you know, I've heard now, I've, I've literally heard direct comparisons to Kyle Lauren, right? Yeah, or you saw, I heard a Wondolowski comparison. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah, well, I, mean, I heard the Kyle Lauren comparison where someone said that he's the next Kyle Lauren. I'm like, wow. Um, <laughs> I hope so. But the one, the one that I find very unfortunate and partly is because, you know, people are going to draft these GA players because of the benefit it does to your, you know, salary cap and stuff like that. But I do think, um, you know, Nanko and Arua might get overlooked in this draft uh, because of Show Me and Reed. And Arua is a player, you know, it's unfortunate with Arua because, um, you know, he was a very exciting fullback, leftback um, within the Sigma program and then was and was um, moved into almost more of a forward role with, with Connecticut. And so now a lot of people perceive him as this attacking midfielder and don't know of him as this quality uh, fullback. So I hope he doesn't get overlooked in the draft. And that's... You know, like, a lot of people are critical of the Combine, but that's the one thing the Combine can do, is it can remove some of the pre-notion criticism or even overhype that these players might have going into the Combine. If the Combine didn't exist, it would be purely based on that speculation. Right. The only, you know, the only thing I would come back with, again, keeping on topic of what this overall podcast theme is, of course, we know that Sigma has very strong connections with a handful of the top MLS teams. And we've seen them be able to broker deals with players that were completely overlooked, like uh, Mark Anthony Gonzalez, who ended up being a top player in the USL. Uh, I would would personally be surprised if Awua, especially Awua, I think, because of, like you said, that type of position, I think he fits that role really well. If he doesn't get... Uh, a str- you know, some interest in that first round from the usual teams that you see associated with sure. Sigma, whether it's Kansas City, Real Salt Lake, uh, Seattle, and Orlando. I, I think they have a connection with Christ, so okay. there, there could be something there. I still think there's there's those guys will still get their chance, and if they don't get overlooked, I think you'll still they'll still be competing uh, in the next. Well, the year. other the other thing about Sigma is you know these guys realize they still have to prove themselves as players, right? That you know, this accolade isn't the pinnacle of their career, that they have to go. And Mark Gonzalez, Mark Anthony Gonzalez is a great example of that, right? Like he, you know, went to uh, Sweet Park Rangers in USL last year and proved him, proved to everybody that he should be, you know, identified as a potential MLS player and a player with a lot of skill. So, you know, that's the thing, right? You know, like one of the fears with Reed and, and Shomi is they could get, you know, bogged down within a system that they're, that they're selected in. And, you know, a good example of that is, you know, and I've always sort of been critical with some of the MLSGA selections, but, you know, Romario uh, Williams was a good example of that, you know, who was a young Jamaican with a lot of talent who Montreal drafted as a GA in the first round. And, you know, and then he was, you know, stuck within the Montreal system, and then he was loaned out, and I think he's actually been traded to Atlanta. You know, the GA gives you the freedom because it does give you a couple more years instead of the one and out. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it prevents you almost from being able to prove yourself, right? Because um, you're low on the totem pole in terms of the first team and stuff like that. Yeah, and you almost wonder what, what's, what's the better situation to be 
sort of lost in a system on a pro team or, or playing week in, week out yeah, well, in the NCAA? And, and the thing is, you know, going back to the NCAA, you know, using Reed as an example, if Reed went to NCAA and scored 25 goals or something like that in his, in his freshman season, not only would he get that GA contract again, but he would be highly sought hated. after. You know, sought after, you know, and be a starter, right? Because number one, his GA contract would be far higher than the GA contract he got right now. So teams would be expected to play him, but then teams would want to play him because he would be a, a star signing at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. So on on that, Aaron, I think I'm going to transition over to the interview, um, sure. and just leave two two notes for the listener to to look out for is, um, you know, Bobby does talk about. Awua and Nanko and sort of what their strengths are. So that's something I think uh, the listeners should keep an eye and ear out for. Um, the other one was, oh shoot, oh right, he mentions uh, some interesting developments with the, the this, this generation, their A1 team players who are moving on the NCAA and he name drops a couple guys that I think are going to be really interesting and exciting to watch. One went to Syracuse, uh, another yeah. to Akron, and then the third one was to Holy Cross, and they all yeah. We we're, were sort of sort of noticing the the combine; those guys being sort of standout players. And yeah, they definitely did, and and they unusually have signed their letter of commitment over a year ahead of their of their freshman season. Um, that's mm. really rare. Uh, we've been told, so that's interesting to watch. The last thing, of course, that I think people would expect uh, in this interview with uh, Sigma tying into the Canadian Premier League, and I have to sort of say I kind of botched the question because I think everyone well, knows... We need, you, and, you and I need a future SE or um, Black Hole podcast where we talk CPL. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe they'll get us on Maybe bring Rob and, and, and everybody else onto it. But yeah. it certainly deserve, it deserves a podcast on its own. Yeah, so I mean, I, I will preface it saying that we obviously would have approached them trying to get some information on what Sigma's involvement would be with a Canadian Premier League. And uh, Costa, who sort of is the other half of it, was very tight-lipped. I give him a tip my hat for him to be able to do that. And Bobby sort of stayed on the technical side of things. I tried to ask a question that was sort of open-ended, you know, sort of like, if you could be involved the league, how would it... F-? I don't think it came off the way I wanted it to. So for the listener, you know, I would still say... Uh, I would be shocked if uh, Sigma were not, uh, you know, their their academy already up and running. To have them involved with this league, I'm sure they're being passed. Yeah, and, and also for the listener, you know, because I'm sure most of the listeners are pro CPL. There was a pro CPL feeling certainly at the Sigma conference or Sigma showcase. I yeah, we, you know, did, we definitely talking say that. with people and dealing with people and and, and just the and, and, and there almost was an enthusiasm at the showcase compared to the other showcase because of the potential of the CPO. Yep. So I think and like again, look, I should add into that around this event, around this academy, there was a lot of talk about it. So I would be very surprised if we didn't uh, hear these guys being involved with some one way or another. But that's uh, unfortunately we didn't get anything concrete. But the interview is still great. Bobby gives us a lot of great information about how you know the program works. He gives information on Awua and Nanko, uh, as well as their thoughts on the Canadian soccer landscape. So, Aaron, thanks a lot for helping with the intro on this. Sure, no problem. And no uh, for the listener, this is our interview from uh, the 2016 Sigma Showcase with uh, Bobby Smirniotis, the technical director of Sigma FC. So thanks, guys. And uh, on this intro, we'll say thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, so the Bobby, the first, the first question I think that... We'll start off with is just in terms of this 2016 showcase and what your thoughts have been um, on this and, and the teams that have been playing and the players and whatnot. 
and, and of course the attendees. Yeah, I mean, it's the seventh year we've been doing it, and, uh, and every year we have an expectation of, one, having quality soccer on the pitch, uh, first and foremost, not only from Sigma, uh, but from all the teams that are involved, because this is a great opportunity for, for the soccer community in general. You don't get uh, many opportunities close to home, not having to travel, and, and for the kids spending money in the clubs on travel and, and playing in front of 70-plus coaches over over a couple of days. So, I mean, so far, it's, it, it's been great. We're, uh, we're towards the end of the second day, and the feedback has been great from uh, a lot of my colleagues uh, from, from down south, uh, from the NCAA schools, and from... Uh, from the Canadian universities that are here because there's representation from all over the continent and from both countries. And that's very important for us because in the end of the day, it comes down to giving our players opportunities. And we all know that's one of the major things we need to work on in the Canadian game is, is making sure that after the age of 18, these guys have an opportunity to keep on playing the game beyond beyond the youth uh, youth stage of it. Right. And uh, you're, you're saying this is the, the seventh year. Is there anything that you can pick out that... Uh, the evolution of this showcase that's noticeable from year one to year seven. Yeah, I think uh, you think every year it's you know you have the the same uh, type of coaches showing up, but then you you end up getting you know ten to fifteen new guys who are hearing about it, who are seeing the success of some of the Canadians uh, in the university system, and trying to figure out where are these guys coming from, some of the clubs up here and the, and the academies, and I think that intrigues them to get them up here, and and being able to do that has has put our region uh, back on the map of being a very big hotbed for for college recruitment uh, and at all levels of the game. And I would add that uh, one of my observations just in the prior game was Sigma versus Vaughn, that some of the coaches are calling that the championship round. I think in the, for me, the last three years I've been up here, that's a, that's actually, there's actually a matchup. It's not just two teams. It's like there are some, some fixtures, so to speak, in the schedule that I think a lot of people circle for, the, for not just Sigma, but other teams as well. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of them. We have a great relationship with Vaughn and, and competing in League One and also at uh, at this level here between our organizations, very good respect for each other at, at doing a great job at, at providing opportunities for, for young players. And there's a good little uh, friendly rivalry uh, amongst us um, where the guys fight hard on the field. They, they play a great game. And like you probably saw at the end of the match there, they're all uh, together in, the, in unity, taking a, a good photo together. But, but that's what we want. We need a good competitive level. And and, uh, and it's important, and I think the coaches have, uh, have always loved that Sigma Vaughn game. And what about um, sort of this event on a whole, and maybe like uh, you know, over the last years, but also year to year, how do you measure like, what the main goal is from, from Showcase? A showcase from maybe year to year and overall, and as well as like how do you at the end of this do you do you have any sort of way that you measure this was a successful year for the showcase? Yeah, I think there's two measures that I look at. One is how many players uh, got helped all around from this in, in gaining interest or, or moving off to scholarships uh, with with the various schools. And the second thing is you know we put out some information to the coaches who have visited uh, after the event to just get some feedback. And you know it's it's usually been very positive feedback, so that gives us good indication that things are going well. You know they'll usually try and maybe give a couple of things that you know they'd like to see and we you know you try and accommodate for that because in the end of the day there's two reasons you do this event you do it for the players on the field and for the coaches that are in attendance and, and that's the most important factor because all the organization can be what it is on the outside but as long as you have competitive matches on the inside and after this you're hearing from the coaches hey you know Bob this was great we saw some good players and the end of the day that's what you want yeah and I think that's uh, a great point because over the years I've seen that it's not this showcase is not just about Sigma. Obviously, you've, uh, you've, over the years, I've seen other players, and I think that's part of the best part of the showcase is that 
you see these other teams play and then these other guys stand out and like you said you're helping them along with that in mind you know how do you uh you know the different programs that come in year to year i'm just thinking how you build this showcase um to kind of get as many many teams or as many players from southern ontario and whatnot uh, in front of these coaches yeah if i look at it one thing we've changed this year is we've gone to a format where we have 16 teams um that's the largest one we've had where we're using the full indoor facility here the field house at hershey and plus the uh, the dome across the street so we've increased that and try and given more players opportunities because we see with some of these clubs sometimes it's difficult to make travel or to have that exposure so it's great because there's good players everywhere and that's the one thing that uh, I'm a big proponent of and I, and I know well and some of the guys may be playing in, in, in places where, you know, you can't have that visibility as much and that's one thing we're proud of, although this is a Sigma event. It's giving opportunity, uh, you know, over these two days to, you know, 16 teams and 300 players uh, to get out here and show some things. Yep. And uh, sort of the next step from this showcase and one of the unique things about Sigma and always has been is that we're, you're a Canadian academy that has very close relationship with NCAA's programs and I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on this ever-evolving and changing landscape of youth soccer development and the professional game in North America and how the NCAA fits into your roadmap for players. Yeah, listen, uh, when we started Sigma, I think, uh, like like everyone, uh, the idea was to create pros right from the beginning, but you have to understand, the, you know, what the landscape of soccer is and then and then use that to your advantage. And uh, and what we did early on was realize that NCAA uh, at the moment was a great type of reserve league in North American soccer um, because we don't have our own professional league in, in Canada. We don't have that measuring stick to get the guys uh, going to the next level and the infrastructure and the money that's involved in the sports at the, at the university level and what the players are exposed to is, is a very high level of, of professionalism. Um, so we realized that's a very uh, big component of what we wanted and our mission has always been you know, to, to systematically develop players uh, to play beyond youth football. So you have to have a means, you have to have an avenue for that. Uh, currently without a professional league uh, in the country, you know, we, we really don't have that. We have three MLS clubs, but that's not a lot uh, enough to service all of the players. So we found that uh, the college and university game was a great roadmap to get this thing started, to get it moving. And that was kind of our five-year mi five mission uh, mission plan, which worked very well. And, and from there, allowing the players uh, who are really performing at the top level to make the next steps into the pro game. And we've seen that with guys like Kyle Becker, uh, Kyle Lair, and Richmond Maria, and so on. Uh, and going on to this year's class specifically, um, you know, what's your you know, maybe commentary or thoughts. Uh, you know, I've been here for the last three years and we know well that yeah. the years before that, that's where that was a big push. That was a, a well-known class of Sigma grads. Yeah. Um, and now we're kind of, another group is coming up that I have to say looked quite good today. Um, what, what can you say about the, the kids that were out here today? Yeah, it's a, if we look at our A1 team, which are uh, players born in 1999, I mean, it's a, it's a group where we've been excited about working with over the years. It's a group that's, that's for the majority has been together since about 12 years old and that's also a great thing to see you know within an organization is these these players really grow from a technical aspect all these years together and you know we've high hopes for some of them you know there's some very good players out there who've already uh, committed uh, 
Faisal uh, Gafour, who's going to the University of Akron, Simon Triandafilu, who's going to Syracuse University, Sean Merrick, uh, who's heading to uh, College of Holy Cross. Uh, you know, three excellent players, but, you know, there's a lot more players out there who I believe after these two days and from my talks with uh, a lot of the coaches will be ending up in some good places. So it's been a very deep group for us and probably one of the best groups we've had in, the, in all of our time here at Sigma, and that speaks a lot to them. What, do you, what can we... Can we take anything from that when you have a player that commits so early? Is that uh, is that just that you have built a relationship with that school, or can as someone as a you know observer of Canadian soccer say, hey, there's here's a, definitely three guys that we should be watching out for over the years? Yeah, I think it's to be honest, it, it's a rare thing, and it's not a rare thing uh, south of the border, but it's a rare thing up here north of the border. I mean, we've had about uh, over a hundred players go off and play at the university level, and I can uh, say that maybe we've had ten of them commit before Christmas of their senior year, so before this event over the years. And uh, they may not be all the guys that people would think about. I mean, Kyle Lahren's one of them, but we've got three guys in this group who have done that, and they've committed from the summer uh, before they got into their senior year. So that's really rare from a Canadian aspect. So that, that speaks to their work. That also speaks to, you know, the some of the bigger programs uh, in the U.S. especially, taking notice of our players earlier and wanting to be uh, be on top of uh, the recruiting process a little bit uh, quicker. Another interesting thing about this showcase, I find, is the amount of alum that come out year after year. I mean, we saw Mankier James show up, Richie LeRae was here. I think in years past, you know, Kyle's been here as well, Kyle Lahren. Um, I guess your commentary on, on, on that, on the relationship you keep with your players once they, once they take off and they go to college or turn pro. Yeah, I mean, for me, the most important thing in, in building an organization, a club, a academy, is culture. Um, because once you build culture, and that's one of the central focal points of what you do, that gets ingrained in the person. And I think that's one of the best things uh, that we have going here at Sigma is, is our players. So whether they're playing here or they've been gone for four or five, six years, they still feel part of this family that's, that's Sigma. And that exists in, in European football culture in, uh, in my background over there. And I see how important it is. And, uh, uh, you know, I want people, uh, I want some of these guys in the future to come back here and be future coaches. I want them to be involved in the organization. But, yeah, it's always a great thing as, uh, as us as technical people and our coaches to see these guys come back here because, you know, years ago they were playing in the same event, getting helped on from here, and they've moved on to some very good things. Now, just, just sort of switching gears quick to another topic that if I didn't bring up, I think uh, I, I might get called out on that. But, it, you know, obviously, when we talk about player development, Canada, you know, the, it circles around. We don't have our own domestic league. Uh, a lot of our players, they graduate university, they don't get to university. It's not a lot of places for them to go. The, the competition doesn't stack up in their favor. So, of course, uh, all the talk these days is the Canadian Premier League. And surrounding the Canadian Premier League, it's, you know, I don't think it's a shock if people said, hey, there's a top-class academy that already exists in Canada. Um, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts, uh, you know, from, from the academy's perspective. You know, what would be an, an ideal setup or relationship for you guys if you were involved uh, in this up-and-coming league? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, you know, the CPL is something we need. Um, we need for every level of the game in this country and mostly to, to give an opportunity for our players to play on home soil. Um, right now we're kind of traveling the world trying to find a, a solution on where to play and the first we should always have a solution at home. Um, you know, from our aspect, you know, uh, you know, the, the CPL I think will be great. It'll be an extension of what is going on here. I mean, you, you've 
for us, if you look at Sigma, you've had all these, and I'll call them great players in our in our aspect, come through here and uh, they've gone off to college. You know, why not some of them being in this pro environment and making their first steps there if, if the right infrastructure is there and the right mentality to grow the game? Uh, because this league, uh, at a professional level and, and done in the right way, will be able to develop players and move them off to the next level. And I think... Over time, that's what it'll be. It'll be a mix of you know these young players and maybe a little bit of these older, experienced guys. And and getting it right is is a way to have a, a cycle of four years where you can you can hopefully sell a, a few, two or three of your young stars and know that you can uh, recycle and refurbish those guys or bring the next uh, crop back in. Yeah, I think because I think it, it's always important in football to to put yourself because it's the world's game. It's, it's to put yourself somewhere in that ladder of where do, where do you sit, you know, in your own landscape in North America and on the world landscape and, and really making it into a proper model. Yeah, I think that's just kind of, uh, let me think if I can phrase this, is, is that, like, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm sure we've all sort of envisioned what this future league could be. Have you uh, worked in any ideas of, you know, does your approach change at all now that there's could be a Canadian professional league um, here in Canada in terms of how you, uh, you know, set up your development roadmap? Yeah. Listen, of course, uh, like I said before, you know, it's, uh, that's why you always have this, this driving force and this mission behind you, and it's, it's to systematically develop players beyond youth football. It's not to uh, develop players for NCAA. It's not to develop players for youth sports. It's to develop them for whatever's that next level. So when we've got that next level here, it's why shouldn't that be the level as well? So it's, you know, it's, it's creating those more options and everyone falls into the gap that uh, I think they deserve. And that's what we always tell the players. It's, listen, your level will also show which, which level you'll go into next. And if we have a CPL and that's a pro level, that'll take the cream of the crop. And, and I hope that's what it does. Speaking of the next level, you've got a couple of young guys that are approaching that right now, uh, specifically in Chris Nanko and, and Kwame Awua, who uh, look to be pretty bright prospects um, for this upcoming MLS Super Draft and Combine. What can you, maybe for play, like I think a lot of Canadians know them by name, but if you could maybe just give us a quick background on these guys and what we could expect perhaps um, in the next couple months hearing about these guys. Yeah, I think they're, to be honest, I think they're two of the best uh, seniors in college soccer. And uh, not only seniors, but they've been two of the most consistent players in college soccer over their four-year career. And that can't be said for, for a lot of players. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've been blessed to have a couple of Generation Adidas uh, Canadian players, but that's not an easy thing for all of Canada, um, for these guys to leave college early and being able to enter MLS. But I think these guys are two promising uh, prospects and guys who, who in the right place, you know, can fit. There's two different players. You know, Chris is a, a very attack-minded player who can, who can play on the wings and uses a lot of speed and individual technical ability in 1v1 situations and has been the driving force for Syracuse for the last couple of years. And they've got a great program going deep in the... Deep in the tournament, and then I look at Kwame Awua, and he's just a, he's a bundle of energy that can play a lot of places. And in a place like MLS, you, versatility is king, mm-hmm. uh, and we know that. And you know he's he's just as good playing left back as he is playing left wing. And you know for this last year and a half at, at UConn, playing as a central midfielder, and also at Sigma in League One, plays as a central midfielder. You know, so he's he's got a lot of tools from that aspect, and I think that's usually exciting for coaches, especially in a league that, that needs to be able to use the rotation of their squad over a long uh, season and a lot of travel and so on. What is uh, maybe the, one of the last uh, just quick questions here, uh, Bobby, is here's something with the, with the combine coming up. You guys obviously have a lot of experience that, a lot of players from Sigma have experienced that. What do you, what's the advice and how do you guys approach it with these guys going into that combine and getting ready for the draft? 
Well, first and foremost, uh, although all of our academy operations will finish uh, in a couple of hours with the end of this event, next week uh, all of our senior players continue training. And that's something that... Uh, that is great, and the guys you mentioned who showed up here before, whether it's uh, pros like uh, Kyle Lahren, Richmond Maria, Manjarkar James, to guys like Kwame and Chris, uh, they'll be training three times a week to, to stay fit and everyone for their season and for these two guys for the combine because it's important for them, you know, as college players or all college players preparing for the combine, you finished your season uh, three to four weeks ago and you have this kind of dead period. And it's very important to stay sharp. You know, football, like everything else, it's, it's about sharpness and being ready so it's one thing we take seriously with our guys not just because of the combine but in general with all of them is is giving them a little bit of a program um working with me and then getting all the guys together and and really working hard it's not a something about getting the guys for a kick around i mean we train and we train properly and uh bringing the guys and preparing them for whatever next steps they have and for those two guys it'll be the combine and i guess this just as the last one bobby very wide open question here in terms of 2017 um and I'll just kind of say it out there. If there's anything, whether it's Sigma, Canada Soccer, whatever, that uh, that we can look for on the horizon or things that you guys have got planned in store for us, just an open question about what's, what's 2017 look like for you guys or what you're hoping for? Uh, two different questions. What I'm hoping for <laughs> yeah, is uh, an announcement of CPL. Yeah. Uh, I think it's something we, we all want. I think we all want that to be able to drive... Uh, to drive our soccer nation forward because we do have very good football here we do have very good players but we need to be able to create this next level to to really take uh the negativity that maybe we've had a little bit in the game or the general sense of it with everyone where it's kind of despair and there's nothing there to turn it into something positive and i think that that will create a new energy and a new buzz and on all levels of the game and and that's what's needed and uh, and from a sigma's perspective you know we like to see our players current and uh, and former i call guys like kyle Aaron for former you know to make the next steps in their careers you know so we look forward to seeing you know our our groups our younger groups our b1s uh, develop into that group you saw today and our older guys which i think they will in a year you know we look forward to seeing some of our players uh, a player like richie Luria breaking into orlando city uh, this year and playing because all of that just gives us uh, the happiness and the joy to keep on forging forward and knowing that what we're doing on the field is is really making a difference and that's in the end of the day what's the most important thing when you're involved in youth football you always got to look at the long-term uh positive aspects that your players are gaining that could be your future pros that could be your scholarship athletes but also your guys who have gone away to school who are now becoming professionals in in various ends of uh, of industry and and the real world as we call it and uh, and that's what we hope for but above all cpl i think yeah. we all want that that's a perfect way to end this thanks a lot bobby for your time appreciate it no problem thank you very much for coming out here showing your support and we always need the support of uh, of the media at every level um to be to be supporting this game because we're all in this uh, together happy holidays and all the best for 2017. we want you to get involved reach out to us on twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, in our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.